0: Thank you, maybe see. And I just have to tell you this before Jack or as Jack comes. I thought about what would be a good song uh, to sing tonight. And I said, well, you know, I thought about that old story. He said the preacher preached on alcohol one morning and they went all out to the river and they poured out their alcohol in the river. Well, then the closing hymn was, shall we gather at the river? So I thought we better not do anything like that. Uh, I love that. I love that. Well, good evening. It's good to see you. I think those maybe that that aren't here tonight thought uh, maybe I'm going to say I'm against drinking, but you'll have to hang on for a minute and I'll tell you where we stand on the issue. That's That's a good, that's a good, can we sing that at the end tonight? I'd hoped to have some props, but uh, as most of you know, this has been a busy week. And I was going to come up and just kind of walk up here with a wine cooler in one hand and a Budweiser in the other just to see what the reaction would be uh, because this is is an issue in our culture that we need to talk about. And, um, you know, depending on what side of the issue you fall, and there are two sides, obviously... Uh, and then there's the middle ground. And so uh, we're going to look at God's Word and see what it has to say. But this is this is an important issue, and I'm, I'm going to probably stick close to my notes tonight because there's some statistics that I want to share with you that will uh, back up my belief. And I want to tell you at, at the beginning, my belief may not be your belief, and that's okay. The Bible is black and white about a lot of things. And I think we had a sermon where we talked about, when we went through our study of the book of Mark, where we have our absolute truth, and we have convictions based on absolute truth, and we have our personal preferences, and there's some things in the Bible that are absolute truth, they're absolute black and white. And then there are some things based on our personal conviction, our relationship with Jesus, uh, our relationship with the Holy Spirit, God gives us personal convictions on things, and sometimes in our culture, especially in our Christian culture, we like to take our personal convictions sometimes uh, and place those on other people. And I think one of the things that I've been reading over the last couple of weeks in preparation for tonight said this, that one of the hallmarks of modern American Christianity is its preoccupation with a formula, faith. And so we, we tend to do that. Say, so if you do this, this, and this, then you're, you're a great disciple. And if you don't do this, this, and this, then you're not a great disciple. And I think even, um, even in my own upbringing and even in the church, what we sometimes tend to do, and this is not necessarily bad, but what we sometimes tend to do is add to what the Bible tells us with some of our own personal convictions that we place on other people that then turns into legalism to some degree. And and if we're really honest, and I'll be honest with you, you know that I will, uh, I think we sometimes as leaders and pastors do that because if we can kind of tell you certain things that are our personal convictions and get you to buy into our personal convictions, then it kind of controls behavior. And so here's what I want to kind of say to you tonight. We, we were talking about this in our small group a couple weeks ago. Um, Jesus is not concerned with your behavior. Now, He is, but He's not primarily concerned with your behavior. He's concerned with your heart being transformed. And when your heart is transformed, then your behavior will change. And so all these things that we've been talking about the last few weeks and some that we've got a couple weeks left to go here um, all fall in that arena of our heart relationship with God, helping us understand what His Word says and what our convictions should be. So, let me share a few verses with you to kind of set the stage and uh, kind of throw out some scriptures that may sound like they fall on this side, and then there may be another scripture that sounds like it falls on this side. And this is why this issue is one of the issues that's somewhat confusing, especially to the Utes, to my youths, to my younger friends. Because the Bible sometimes says this over here, and then you read something that says this over here, and you have to discern and read the full counsel of God and have your personal relationship with Jesus and the Holy Spirit to land on what your personal conviction are. So here's a few verses. Proverbs 20, verse 1. Wine is a mocker and beer a brawler. Whoever is led astray by them is not wise. Okay, that sounds like it's on one side of the equation, right? Here's another one. Psalm 104, verse 14. You cause the grass to grow for the livestock and plants for man to cultivate, that he may bring forth food from the earth and wine to gladden the heart of man, oil to make his face shine and bread to strengthen his heart. Ecclesiastes 9.7, go, eat your bread with joy, drink your wine with a merry heart, for God has already approved what you do. Isaiah 62, the Lord is sworn by his right hand and his mighty arm. I will not again give your grain to be food for your enemies. And foreigners shall not drink your wine for which you have labored, but those who garner it shall eat it and praise the Lord. They shall garner it and drink it in the courts of my sanctuary. So, I could go on and on and on. You can use Google or your concordance in your Bible, and you can do your own study. I encourage you to do your own study. Don't just take what one of the pastors says. Do your own study in God's Word. But if we had time, I could give you verse after verse. That some verses would sound like they're talking about one side of the equation, and other verses would talk sound like they're talking about uh, the other side of the equation. So let me just give you some statistics. Alcohol companies spend close to $2 billion every year advertising alcohol. Youth exposure rose 38% between in, in uh, consumption in the last decade. By the time a teenager is 18 years old, they've seen, if they watch television, now we have our devices and videos and all that, but if they've watched TV, just television, they've seen over 100,000 commercials About alcohol, beer commercials. The median age at which children begin drinking is just over 13 years of old, uh, 13 years old. 83 percent of adults who drink had their first drink of alcohol before they were 21. Four out of 10 young people who pick up alcohol before they're 18 years old become alcoholics. I'm just going to give you just a few few more of these. 67 percent of high school seniors have used alcohol within the last month. 38% say they've had five or more drinks in a row within the last two weeks. There's all kinds of stats I could give you here. I'd give you a couple more. Teen drinkers are seven times more likely to engage in premarital sex. Reason why? Alcohol can relax your morals. Today there are forty, more than forty million problem drinkers in America. Alcohol is the number one drug problem among teenagers. One in three American families suspects that one or more family members have a drinking problem, and I could go on and on. And I'm I'm happy to give you these notes and some of the things that that uh, that I found here that are just crazy. Uh, here, here's something interesting. Here's why alcohol and the debate and the conversation about alcohol is important. Now, now, let me stop right here because some of you already think you know where I stand on this issue. Hang on for the ride. Okay? I, I grew up, just a quick personal testimony here. I grew up, uh, my mom and dad did not drink, but I grew up and some of my relatives drunk, w- w- would drink. And I watched several of their families implode. So alcohol, for me, I'll be honest, and and you may find this hard to believe, uh, young people, you may find this hard to believe. This doesn't mean that Pastor Jack is perfect. There's a lot of other issues I have struggled with, and those are coming up in the next few weeks. But alcohol was never one of those issues. I mean, I had friends who would tempt me in all situations where I could have got drunk, done whatever, and nobody would ever know. But it wasn't a temptation for me because I saw enough people in my own extended family's lives destroyed by it that I was like, I don't want to have anything to do with that. Because I've seen what has happened to their their family and their kids. Um, The debate that we have in the church about alcohol tends to be like kind of binary. We kind of say... Either consumption is acceptable or it's not acceptable. Either you need to totally abstain or, you know, or you're going to just go out and get drunk. We'd like to think there's these two extremes when it comes to uh, drinking. And it rarely moves, the conversation about drinking rarely moves to how much do we drink if we choose to drink. It's usually do we drink or do we not drink? That's usually the question. And I want us to push a little bit deeper because that's just kind of a surface level question to really, okay, if we choose to drink, really what's the issue? And the issue is how much do we drink? So let me, let me give you a, a stat that I thought was just mind-boggling. In the modern age, food and drink have become cheaper and more abundant. Because of this, this has led to an increase in consumption rates that would astound our ancestors. For example, in 1955, the size of a soft drink at McDonald's was 7 ounces. By the 1990s, yeah, that's like a shot glass, isn't it? Seven. Ounces. That was the size of a soft drink at McDonald's, 7 ounces. By the 1990s, a kid's size drink was twice that amount, 12 ounces. And now the super drink is 42 ounces. So we've had similar increases in the consumption of alcohol because it's our craving as a culture. And it doesn't just have to do with alcohol. It's, it's everything because we're sinful people. It's the craving for more. More alcohol, more money, more sex, more, 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 more. So here's what, that, here's what this has to do with alcohol. The McDonald's deal has to do with alcohol. We've had similar increases in the consumption of alcohol. So... The total alcohol per capita in the world's population, older than 15 years of age, rose 186 ounces from, from 186 ounces of pure alcohol in 2005 to 216 in 2010, and well over 216 in, in the year 2016. So what is that saying? It's saying people are consuming more and more. And more and more. And I I would say, especially for those that don't know Christ, they're consuming more and more and more to deaden and to numb the reality of not being able to get through the storms of life without Jesus. So they try to numb themselves. So I I grew up with uh, no alcohol. The Bible warns us against the dangers of alcohol. Uh, Society shows us that we are very Um, susceptible to it, one out of six people in the U.S. has a serious drinking problem. One out of ten kids grows up in homes with alcohol abuse. Last year alone, there were over 100,000 alcohol-related deaths. So you hear all those things, but then on the other side, you find people say, well, just because something is abused, like alcohol, doesn't mean we should totally totally abstain. After all, sex is abused. Does that mean we should abstain from sex? Words are abused. Should we stop talking? Uh, And if you want to talk about things that do kill, while there were 100,000 alcohol-related deaths last year, there were 300,000 deaths related to obesity. So there's these two kind of dynamics, these two conversations going on. So what does it all mean? And how do we judge people who choose to drink? Or what do we say to those who choose not to drink? And is that really the debate, to drink or not to drink? Because I have seen, and I'm one guy, but I have seen godly people on both sides of this issue. I've seen people that are... I would say, more godly than me who drink. But the question, again, is not necessarily to drink or not to drink. The question might should be, how much is being consumed? How much is being taken down? It really means, I think, in our world, there's this quote here I want to read to you. Maybe maybe we should exercise our freedom of consciousness. In ways that are loving to others, not offensive, so if the if the younger families were here and there's a few younger families here tonight, not as many because maybe they thought the pastor was going to say he's against drinking and drinking is of any kind at any place is wrong, um, they should be here because they might be surprised when we get to the end of this. but if they were here tonight and they hear where we get you know where we're at in this point of the conversation, they may be thinking, "Wow." Man, I can't wait to throw this in so-and-so's face. The pastor said he's not necessarily against drinking. If that was to be your response to what you hear tonight, then that really shows where you are spiritually because that shows that you care more about what you want than how it affects other people. And so you've totally sinned already, whether you drink or not, by that kind of an attitude. And yet we see that in our world. We hear... People say, "Well, I kind of throw that in your face, and it really shows a selfish uh, attitude." So, what really is this issue with uh, alcohol? Well, let me give you some 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 more facts about it to help you come up with a conclusion. and And um, here's the first one: the wine of today, the alcohol of today. This is this is what I like to tell especially young people, is much stronger than the wine in the Bible. So you read about them drinking wine in the Bible. They didn't have Dasani. They didn't have bottled, purified water. They didn't have all the kind of technological advances that we have. And so wine back in that day was, much, uh, was not as strong as wine today. Let me give you some examples for that. We can roughly estimate, we can't know this for sure, but we can roughly estimate an upper limit of 8% to 10% alcohol by volume. That's how alcohol is measured. I'm not a connoisseur, but it's called APV, alcohol per by by volume. And for centuries, some of the uh, abstainers and the imbibers of alcohol have argued about how much alcohol was in the content that was consumed in Bible times. Well, that's a great question. Because the reason um, it's a great question is because today, let me give you an example. Today, a low alcohol wine is considered anything that would meet the maximum level for biblical wine, about 10% APV. All right, hang with me. I know this is a lot of numbers and a lot of stats, but we're going We're going somewhere. Typical wine sold today is in the range of 11.5 to 15 APV, with the strongest that are 17 to 23 APV. So this increase in alcohol, the content that's in today's alcohol, is because of science and technology and breweries and all these things that we've learned to suck as much alcohol content out of that as possible in today's modern beverages. So in a single glass, this increased content, if you were going to have a single glass of whatever your favorite alcoholic beverage would be, a single glass glass of it might not be a big deal. But if a person has two glasses a day, then you are consuming almost 10% more alcohol per day than someone did in the 1950s. And double the amount of wine that someone would have been drinking in the New Testament times. If you're a heavy drinker, 8 or more drinks a week for women, 15 or more drinks a week for men, then you are consuming significantly more alcohol from fewer drinks than heavy drinkers did four decades ago. So all of this changes in technology if you if you hear from people, well, they Jesus had wine. Jesus' first miracle was turning the water into wine. He's the, he's for wine. He's for wine. It's a different kind of alcohol in today's world than in the world in which in which uh, Jesus lived in Bible times. Let me give you a couple more stats, and then I'll I'll share some more scripture with you. Current drinkers consume on average 32.8 grams of pure alcohol per day. Consumption is about 20% higher in other parts of the world, like Africa, 20% lower in Southeast Asia. Until 2025, which is coming up pretty quickly, total alcohol per capita consumption in persons 15 years of age and older is projected to increase dramatically. It's unlikely to be offset by substantial declines in consumption in other regions. So the issue of alcohol continues to be something that we should be talking about as a church. And again, it's not necessarily the question of to drink or not to drink, but how much. So you may say, okay, then what are you saying, Pastor Jack? Here's what I'm saying. Just so you know what the Bible says and what the Bible doesn't say. The Bible doesn't say to us, don't drink. The Bible does say, don't be drunk with wine. So as much as I would love to stand up here and say, don't drink. And I probably would lean on on that side of the equation. I can't say that. What I can tell you, just from all the stats that I've read is, in our modern day world, that's probably not a great road to be on. Because there's all kinds of dangers that come along with it, unless you can be a very wise person. Now, let's push it even beyond that a little bit. You might say, Pastor Jack, do you drink? (laughs) Making sure you all are awake. I don't drink. Here's why. Could I drink? Yeah, I could drink. Could I drink in the privacy of my home and not tell you guys about it? Sure, I could. I dare say, and I really wish I'd had time to stop and get those props, if I walked in here and had a wine cooler or Bud Light or whatever your popular drink is, or you saw me out somewhere doing that, some of you would have a perception of me at that moment. Some of our younger folks would have a different perception. Man, Pastor Jack, he's cool. Or whatever. I mean, they may have this perception. Some people over here may have this perception. So, for someone who says they're a Christ follower, especially someone who is in a leadership position, then the choice that I'm making is, I'm not going to cause someone else to stumble with that issue. Now... Where it really gets complicated and what you have to determine in your own personal relationship with Jesus is. Are you a leader that people are watching? Again, I have some very godly friends when when Lynette and I thought we were moving. I mentioned again this morning when I I thought we were moving to um, Nashville, Tennessee. Some of you know this. You know, I did the music thing for a number of years. We had a radio show for about 15 years. I have a lot of friends in Nashville. I have a lot of record label friends in Nashville. I have a lot of artist friends in Nashville. In Nashville, Tennessee, the culture is, that's what you do. You socially drink. And there are a lot of my Christian friends that that's what they do. And when I go to Nashville, sometimes they'll say, hey, do you want to meet me at so-and-so? And I know it's a place to hang out and get a drink. And I'll say, why don't we meet at, you know, I'll, I'll name another place, Cracker Barrel. They do see they're they're moving on up. They need some of the cash flow or whatever. I'll name a place you know where that's not the that's not the main emphasis. but I will tell you that some of those people have a much stronger relationship with Jesus than I do. So I can't let the fact that they choose to drink and and they're in an artist culture where that happens. Do I agree with it? That's really beside the point. That they That's what they choose to do. Um, do I think that they're less of a Christian than me? It depends on their consumption. If it's a glass of wine or if it's, you know, a beer with their pizza or whatever, and that's their drink versus mine is, you know what mine is, sweet tea. Uh, that's mine, and we're done, and we hang out fellowship, and they go in their merry way. That's one thing. If they sit there, and it's drink after drink after drink, So this is where I think it's really important, as much as I would love to say to you, and I've had pastors say to me as I grew up, don't do this, don't do this. And then I go dig into God's Word to see where does it say don't do that, and I discover it doesn't say don't do that. Then I start to wonder, well, what other things did I believe that that person told me the Bible said? And I'm finding out the Bible actually didn't say that. So the Bible does not say don't drink. The Bible says do not get drunk. For me, personally, and you have to come up with this own conviction yourself, my relationship with the Lord and my attempt to try to show other people who Jesus really is, I've decided that's probably something that's not wise for me. The people who th- may think I'm cooler hopefully will think I'm cool without me having to take a drink. And the people that I may offend that may be pushed in the opposite direction because, well, he's a pastor, one of the pastors at Crossroads Baptist Church, and I saw him drinking a wine cooler down there at Tipsy Taco. And speaking of tipsy, he was, yeah, he, was he was a little tipsy. So we have to be careful. So what should our response be personally, and then what should our response be as a church, let me just share a couple of thoughts and then we'll we'll wrap up. You know, it's kind of similar to what we talked about with some of the other issues that we've addressed already. Because there are going to be people, I hope, that God is going to send our way and people that we're going to invite that are going to come to be a part of this church family. And they're going to come with a lot of different backgrounds and a lot of different baggage and a lot of different history and I'm not suggesting for a minute that we water down anything God's word has to say but that we meet those people where they are and we help them to understand that where their personal preferences and and really where their convictions come from is in their relationship with Jesus and based on what God's word has to say. So let me read to you just a, a few verses here. Because our culture is looking for truth. They're looking for I'm looking for this scripture here. There we go. That's what I thought. Uh, They're looking for truth. They're not looking for man's interpretation of truth. And as much as I love preaching and sharing God's Word with you on on Sunday morning, the the, the other reason I'm so pro-small groups is because on Sunday morning, I'm not saying this is bad, on Sunday morning, you're getting second-hand information. You're hearing what I've studied, what I've processed, hopefully, hopefully what I've prayed through, hopefully, what the Holy Spirit shared with me, hopefully, you're getting that second person. Through small groups and through your own study of the Word, you're getting that first person. You're getting that the Holy Spirit speaking to you. God's Word is speaking to you. And what we want to do here, I I believe, here at Crossroads, is... Train people, us, and new people that come to get first-person information, first-hand information from God and come to their conclusion based on what God's Word says, His truth, and come to their own conviction. So here's what Paul says about this in Ephesians chapter 5. If you've got your Bible and you want to turn there, Ephesians chapter 5, just a few verses. And we'll stop along the way a couple of times and then we'll we'll wrap up and I'll give you the... My punchline, if you haven't figured it out yet, Ephesians chapter 5. Great, great chapter. And Paul is giving a, a uh, litany of things here that he's kind of rattling off that talk about if you are a partaker in some of these things then the appearance can be, especially to those who don't know Jesus, that you are meddling in evil things. And so he's rattling off these things, basically waving the caution flag, saying, look out for these things, be aware of these things. And here they are, starting with verse 1. Let's jump in, chapter 5. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Hang on, let me stop right there. Anytime you see the word therefore, you need to ask a question, what's it there for? And therefore is therefore... Because of everything he said in Ephesians one, two, three, four, 3, 4. So you got to go back and read those. Because after all he said that, he gets to 5 and says, Therefore, basically, in light of everything I just said, here's what I would say to you. Be imitators of God as beloved children. Walk in love as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us. An offering and a sacrifice to God is a fragrant aroma. And here starts the list. Do not let immorality or any impurity or greed even be named among you as is proper among saints. So let me stop again. So his clarification for some of these things, you go home and you pray about this yourself. His clarification for some of the things he's getting ready to say are to the saints. Who are the saints? The saints are anybody who says they're following Jesus and they've been changed by Jesus and the blood of Jesus and they've accepted the righteousness of Jesus. You're a saint. You may not feel like you're a saint, Your spouse may not call you a saint sometimes, but you are a saint, according to God's word. So this is who he's talking to. There must be no filthiness, no silly talk, coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. Verse 5, for this you know with certainty, no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not be partakers with them, for you were formerly in darkness, but now you're light in the world. Sounds a lot like Ephesians chapter 2 that we looked at a few weeks ago. So walk as children of the light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Verse 11. Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them, for it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. But all things become visible when they are exposed by the light. For everything that becomes visible is light. For this reason it says, Awake, sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Verse 15, Therefore be careful how you walk. Be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dispensation, but be filled with the Spirit. So Paul is teaching here in this epistle as he's going through these lists of things. He's describing some uh, outward behaviors. And sometimes, let me just stop for a second. Sometimes that's where we as a church and where we sometimes as leaders get off the rails that we think God is concerned with the outward behaviors. God is not concerned with the outward behaviors as much as the inward transformation. Because none of these things are possible on the outside until God has changed you on the inside. So he's not rattling off these things saying, change your behavior. It sounds like it if you're at first glance, but that's why you have to read chapters 1, 2, 3, and 4 because that's why he gets to verse 5 and says, therefore. He's talking about these things that happen as a result of you being changed on the inside. Verse 19, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. I'll just I'll stop right there. Then he gets into how do you do that with your home situation, your family, your marriage. So what are we saying then? Let me go back and I'll use me as, a, as the guinea pig in the example. I think in my role, in my world knowing that people and young young people do you need to know this too even more in our culture now people base their perception or base their reality on perception and perception can be driven by technology and I've said to you before, one of my heroes is, is Dr. Billy Graham. And one of the reasons, I think I even used this illustration in the message when we talked about traditions and personal preferences and absolute truth. One of the reasons he did not get into a car with a person of the opposite sex other than his wife, especially when he was in a city doing a crusade, was because people could take a quick photo and nowadays, you can actually modify photos and change photos. And I can be somewhere doing something that I really didn't do but because of technology. So it goes back to, again, all the things that Paul was saying about be wise in your walk. So what am I saying? I'm saying for me, it would be very unwise to even drink occasionally. Now, are you saying, are you, Jack, Pastor Jack? Are you saying you're not ever going to drink? You're not ever going to drink. That's not necessarily what I'm saying. I'm not planning on that. I'm not planning on getting drunk, because the Bible's pretty clear about that. But technology has a way, especially if you're a young person, and 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 I know, and this is just our home folks here tonight. And so I'm being pretty transparent and blunt with you. I know there are some folks in our church and there are folks in other churches. There are folks all around. And they go out to eat and they're with their friends. And I have loved ones and I have relatives that do this. And they're out and they're wherever they are and they're doing the selfies. And in the background is all the beer and the liquor. There's nothing wrong, according to the Bible, with drinking if you don't get drunk. But where you are going to really endanger potentially your life, especially young people, if you start photoing all those things where people weren't there and they don't know exactly all the details, all that lives forever. We think we hit delete on our phone and it's gone. It's out there forever. And people can have their own perception of what happened, whether it's right or wrong. Well, they should know that that's not me. They should know that I only had one drink. They should know that was a social drink with friends. They they might should know that, but that doesn't mean that's what they're going to know. I tell young people this all the time, and people can... Like it or not, this is the technology that this next generation and more are going to live with, and there will be people, I know the stories, that will judge you based on your social media feed from five years ago. There are, there are people who have run for public office that we know we could talk about here, whose careers have never got off the ground because of something that they had on their social media feed. And that goes beyond just drinking, it goes into all kinds of other things. So what, what is Paul trying to say to us, and what am I saying? I'm saying, as a child of God, be wise with your behavior. Paul says somewhere else, maybe somebody can help me remember the scripture reference, where he says, everything is permissible, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's beneficial. Anybody know where that is? I think maybe it's in Philippians. Everything is permissible. As a child of God, I have freedom. I have liberty. But if I take that liberty and I move into a situation where it's not beneficial for me or it's not beneficial for somebody who doesn't know Jesus and I cause my liberty and my freedom in Christ to be a stumbling block for somebody else, then I have crossed the line. Because I have put my own selfish freedom ahead of somebody else. And we see that happen again with everything, not just drinking. But drinking happens to be one of those things in our society. So for me, just to wrap up here, I can't say to you, nor can you say, if you study the Bible, that drinking is its either I imbibe a little bit or it's abstinence. Because the Bible doesn't say, don't drink but I have to use my logic God's given me to understand the kind of alcohol they were talking about in the Old Testament, the kind of alcohol we have today because of our crazy minds and technology, to understand that if I'm a child of God and I'm out in public doing different things and people are watching me, do I have the freedom to do that? Am I going to cause that person to stumble? See, at this point, it starts to get a lot more complicated because there's other questions that you should be asking that are about other people not just about yourself. Yes. Where was the reference? First Corinthians six twelve. Thank you. First Corinthians six twelve. I knew Paul said it, I couldn't remember where. Awesome. Thank you, thank you. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 1 Corinthians 10, 23. Which First 1 Corinthians 10, 23. All things are lawful is another place he says that Not all things are profitable. All things are lawful, but not all things edify. Let no one seek his own good, but that of his neighbor. So to my drinking Nashville artist friends who are godly people, I would say and have said to them, if we can go out somewhere... Where you want to have a glass of wine or you drink and us hang out and I'll get my sweet tea. And nobody's going to see you and it's not going to cause somebody to stumble. Let's load up the truck and let's go. Because the Bible doesn't say, don't drink. But that's a personal, that's where it gets into your personal convictions. And as much as I would love to, I wish I could do this. And most pastor, most leaders, maybe you wish you could do this. Most of us wish we could take... I wish I because I think mine are good, I wish I could take my personal convictions and tell you this is what God's Word says for you. And some pastors do that, and some leaders do that. And you know what that's called? A cult. Really? Because they've taken, they've added to the Scripture, and they've created their own set of legalistic rules and said, if you want to be in my house, then you follow these rules. Well, that's not following Jesus and the Holy Spirit. So for me, again, that's my decision. And I would encourage you to go do some serious prayer in your prayer closet and decide where God, what God's saying to you. And if you decide, hey, I can have a social drink and I can do that in a place where I'm not going to cause somebody else to stumble, great. Am I going to think less of you as a Crossroads church member? No. If you get drunk... Then we'll have to have a conversation. If you get drunk and you go stumbling down Main Street and the police officer calls and says, Hey, Pastor Jack, I got one of your folks down here. By the way, can you get forgiven for that? Sure, you can. Sure, you can. Drinking's not the unpardonable sin, just like divorce is not the unpardonable sin. Just the only. Unpardonable sin is saying no to Jesus Christ. That's the unpardonable sin. Because if you die having said no. So again, these things that we're talking about, we the world kind of puts the spotlight on, and you have to be really careful. Somebody was going to had some. Yes. Yes, that's right. Yes, absolutely right. That's exactly right. That's right. That's right. And that's why, when as I was growing up, and I saw that, that was never a temptation for me. You may you may say, well, you didn't really you didn't really uh, wade out into your freedom in Christ and see how far you could wade out without drowning which is the wrong question, much like sex when you're a teenager, or sexual promiscuity when you're a teenager, you would ask the question. At least I did. I'll be honest. The rest of you can lie to God if you want, but I would be honest and say, okay, God, how far can I go and it still be okay that I haven't had sex? Those are the wrong questions. Those are the wrong questions. How much can I drink before I'm not an offense to my brother? Those are the wrong questions. The question Paul is saying here in this whole chapter, in his whole book, and all the letters that he wrote is, be wise. Don't be a stumbling block. Other people are watching you. It may be beneficial, but it might not be the best thing to do. It may be lawful, but it might not be profitable. All those other questions are about you. And if they're about you, then I think the Bible's pretty clear about pride being a sin. So, uh oh, I just sinned. Maybe not by drinking, but I just sinned by asking the wrong questions. So we got to be careful. For me, it's more black and white maybe than it is for you. Again, if you choose to have a social drink, that's between you and the Lord. Is it wrong? I can't tell you by God's word that that's wrong. I can tell you that's wrong for me. Now, we have to be careful because some, some, then some people, if we, don't, if we don't know God's word, then some people will go, oh, okay, well, I can kind of create my own theology. No, you can't create your own theology There are some absolute truths in God's Word that are absolute truth, black and white, no discussion. God said it, I believe it, that settles it. But there's also some room where God gave us liberty in our relationship with Him to land somewhere. And that's what makes it interesting and exciting and can also make it difficult. Because some of us, some of us like the black and white because we want God just to tell us what to do so we won't have to think about it or struggle through our own convictions it'd be easier if God, it would be easier pastor jack if you just say to be a member of crossroads baptist you cannot drink well i can't say that cuz then i'm adding to what god's word has already said about it so does that make sense Qu- questions we're we're small group yes our, co- our comments Vicky said, "Do you think COVID has increased it or justified it?" And I would say yes. We'll be talking about it in a couple of weeks about the whole loneliness issue and anxiety and all that, all that stuff because of COVID is on the rise. People are home, people are numb. They can't interact. They can't. So you know, they're consuming alcohol. They're consuming online things that they shouldn't consume. I think we're talking about that in a couple of weeks, or maybe that's next week. Um, so yeah, yeah, unfortunately. No, nobody wakes up in the morning the, the, hard, the hard part of this is no one wakes up in the morning and says I want to be an alcoholic and you never know to your point earlier Okay, what, what point did I just cross the line and now I'm not going to be able to do without this you, you don't know, now does that make it wrong? according to God's word, no but you have to be, to Teresa's point uh, you have to be Wise, and this is just again one of the many things that our culture throws at us to uh, get us distracted off of the main thing, the main thing. So, any other comments or questions? Love you guys! Excited for what God's doing in our church. We need to pray for one another. Uh, I would ask you to pray for me at least. We need to pray for one another that God doesn't uh, allow any of these things that are distractions to ensnare us, but to walk wisely, not only for our own benefit and our own church family benefit, which is enough, but for people outside these walls that see us and that we interact with uh, who may be watching us. It's a cliche, and the reason cliches are cliches is because they're true. And the cliche is that you may be the only Bible some people see. We're tired of hearing that, some of us, but the reason it's a cliche is because it's true. There are some people that will never go to church and they'll never go to a Bible study and they'll never watch an online preaching sermon, but they're watching you. And their sole entire judgment of Christianity is going to be on what you do and what I do. And I don't want to knowingly I will unknowingly, I'm sure, lead people in the wrong direction from time to time, but I don't want to knowingly lead people in the wrong direction. So let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it's crystal clear on a lot of issues, and I thank you that you give us enough liberty and freedom to hammer out our relationship with you, and to, through prayer and through time in your word, to spend time with you to come to our own personal convictions. And Lord, I I thank you that uh, our convictions are different, and that's okay. I pray that for each of us, our convictions are based on our personal relationship with you and the authority of your word. So I thank you for these friends tonight. I thank you for these studies over the last few weeks. I pray, God, as we've looked at your word and as we've shared together, I thank you for Teresa and her sharing tonight and her testimony. And Lord, I, I pray as we continue to do that over these next few weeks before... Uh, the summer gets here, that you would deepen our uh, each of our relationships with you. I thank you again. I thank you, God. I thank you for what you're doing in our church family. I thank you for the way that you're using these friends. Uh, Lord, you know I've prayed this privately and uh, personally and in our staff time together and corporately. God, I, I thank you for men and women in this church 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30, 40, 50 years ago. Who stood on the authority of your word. Who prayed that the Holy Spirit of God would move in this place. Who prayed that as people would pass by this facility and this campus. They would be drawn by your Holy Spirit here. I thank you that they prayed those prayers because we are seeing those prayers answered. And I thank you for that. I thank you for answered prayer. I pray, Lord, that you would go with us this week. We lift up the Curtis family to you, Lord. And we know that for this week, though it's a joyous one, it will be a difficult one. So we pray that the peace that passes all understanding would be theirs this week. Lord, pray for each of us in the roles that you have for us this week, whether it's at work, whether it's at school, uh, Lord, whether it's at home or at play, whatever that we do, whatever we go, wherever we go, whatever we do, whatever we say, uh, Lord, that we would point people to Jesus. Thank you for our time tonight, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you all so much. Don't forget, uh, if you didn't grab a handout sheet, a lot of stuff going on in the life of our church, I'll trust that you'll pick up one of those so you'll know what's going on. If you're a golfer, this Saturday's the big golf day. So, get ready. All right? Blessings. Blessings. Yes, sir. Thank you, Pastor Jim. Yes. Some load, some loading up for Thursday night for our West Virginia stuff. Um, we're supposed to be like 7, o'clock. Seven o'clock Thursday night, I think was the plan. Saturday. Yes, sir. I think Lewis is working on our U-Haul or whatever we're going to have. Yep, yep. Good. Okay. Awesome. All right. Thank you so much.